This episode is brought to you by the D2D Business Bootcamp, the number one event for business owners and leaders in the direct sales industry. Come to our two-day bootcamp and learn from Sam Taggart and the D2D experts who have consulted over 200 businesses on how to increase sales, get more recruits, become a better leader, and streamline business systems. Go to bootcamp.thedtdexperts.com for dates and location. Limited tickets available. Go to bootcamp.thedtdexperts.com and reserve your seats today. All right, everybody, this is Sam Taggart with the D2D Podcast, and I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, technically Tucker, and if you're listening to this, you know, we are just jamming ad-lib podcast with Mr. Mm. Paul Salamanca, who owns the company Preferred Supply out of, you know, they do a lot of roofing supply and other stuff. I mean, you had some siding stuff and, you know, ladders, all that good stuff. And this is an exciting podcast. The reason being, and I, and I wasn't, we weren't planning on this podcast. I just gave a a speech to a bunch of his contractors that he supports, which I think is really cool. First off, I got to acknowledge you for like bringing me all the way out here, investing into your people, being a supplier. You know, he's, he's 45 million in sales. He's a 31 year old entrepreneur, nine years in business. You know, he started this little thing and I'm excited to dive into his story. So I don't steal his thunder, but like he was doing, you know, just out of his backyard slinging shingles. Like mm-hmm. he's like, he's Hey, there. I'll, and he, he niched into this kind of Latin community. that was underserved and said, Hey, I'm going to go after these big companies like ABC supply and beacon. And to go start a supply house is not just an easy feat. When mm-hmm. you toured your fit, I toured a 50,000 square foot uh, facility with these shingles everywhere and all these trucks and dumpsters and just to, the amount of energy, money, resource mm-hmm. that goes into getting this. And him and his um, wife have been building this for years and it's pretty yes, cool. Sir. And you've also done a lot of philanthropy and mm-hmm. you created a scholarship. Um, and, and you guys, we're going to dive into this. So I don't want to steal his thunder, but really cool. A young Latin living the American dream. Just yes, uh, taking it to its finest. Yes, sir. Well, hi, guys. My name is Paul. Thank you, Mr. Sam, for coming. Um, like you mentioned, we're a supply house here in uh, Tucker, Georgia. We've been in business for nine years, and uh, we actually have two locations going on three. We have one in Tucker, Jonesboro, Georgia, and Smyrna. And like you said, it's um, to open up a supply house is not something everyone wants to do, and it's not the easiest route to take, hence why most of the people are contractors. Um, it's been rough, like he said, you know, ABC, Beacon, and Superior, they control the supply chain technically. And uh, to come in into a competitive market such as Atlanta and to capture, you know, millions of dollars of the market is a feat, that uh, something that no one, not even ourselves, imagined to accomplish. But we did it and we got the attention of the nationwide companies. And now we've been approached by them as well to see what we're doing in order for them to do and capture the market they neglected for so many years. So let's talk about this. So it's funny, I got to meet your father-in-law, you know, first generation Spanish, mm-hmm. your your wife came over when she was 18. And, you know, as you kind of started this, I know that your niche and, and your primary focus initially was just going after that Latin market. Where do you see the Latin market and kind of that culture um, growing in the contractor space and what's shifting and what's where do you see the future? So honestly, over the nine years, I've just seen a, you know, we started off selling strictly subcontractors. They would come here, they would do their side jobs. But over the past five years, most of these subs are now contractors. These are the guys dealing directly with the homeowner now. And honestly, I think in the next 20 years, there'll be a shift. You know, right now, the, the contractor builder side is still dominated by predominantly white Americans, which is not a bad thing. 
Um, a lot of labor force is still Hispanic, um, but I do see the contractor builder side over the next 20 years becoming predominantly Latino. So, you know, this is a market we capture specifically here in Georgia. I know there's other land suppliers across the United States and we met a couple of them. A lot of them have actually reached out to us on Instagram. You were kind of like the forerunner in this space per se, you know, because we've had people from Houston, Dallas that are suppliers, Hispanic specifically, that re have reached out to us and asked us questions like, how do we do it? Where do we buy? what kind of trucks do we run? And, you know, we're open to help everybody. Just in Georgia, it's so competitive that we, after we opened up, there's like 10 other Latin suppliers now, you know? Because oh, they saw what we did. It's kind of like the Latin meat market stores. Yeah, yeah. There's one, now there's 100. But we were the first, so, you know, we got to keep the ball rolling, got to stay on our toes, got to stay competitive, which now, you know, we're bringing more value to our, our clients. Hence why we brought Sam, and we're bringing other great guys on to speak to our contractors. Because we're always trying to differentiate ourselves and stay ahead of the game. And I'm sure now everyone else is going to start calling Sam <laughs> and calling, you know, everyone else to come and teach him. But the thing is, we were the first. And we want to stay on top and, and stay on our toes and keep pushing forward. And um, like you said, um, our, our main niche was the land community. So we sell tools, compressors, um, gun parts, um, harnesses, everything a, a guy would need to build a, a roof a siding project and a framing project. We have all the tools and fasteners they will need. That's awesome. And then we got into the bigger side, which is the contracts, which is the supply. So we deliver for them. We provide dumpster services for them. ABC and Beacon, most of them don't have dumpster dumpster services for them. We close on, um, they close on Saturdays. We open on Saturdays. They close at five. We open until seven. So we had to do a lot of different things to stand out and create a debt into a competitive market, you know? Yeah. And it wasn't easy, you know? Well, that's, I mean, my dad was an entrepreneur and mm -hmm. he always asked, he's like, what's your competitive edge? Mm -hmm. He's always going to say like, cool, that's a great idea, but like, what makes you competitive? Mm -hmm. And I think when you go into a customer's home, you got to say, what makes me a different roofer than the guy down the street? When I go to any business, it's like, yeah, there's a hundred consulting businesses. What, what, what makes you different? You know, mm -hmm. or like, and, and that's something that I think a lot of people never identify um, to stay competitive. Like you mm -hmm. said, as a hundred other chucking, you know, different suppliers pop up. You're like, mm -hmm. we're the first, mm -hmm. which is nobody else can say. Yeah. Second, we're, we're, we're adding value like no one mm -hmm. else. And we're doing that first. And we're, you know, open at these times. Like I think knowing your value and your competitiveness is going to create, you know, sustainability in mm -hmm. entrepreneurship. So talk to me, like, I want to know about more young Paul. My dad's Paul, by the way, okay. so it's a good name. <clears throat> um, what, what a, were you always an entrepreneur mind or like? Um, I would say I was, you know, I always saw my parents work hard and, you know, my mom would be like, oh, go cut the grass. Cause if not, one day you're gonna have to pay for someone to cut the grass. So in my head, I was like, one day I'm gonna pay for someone to cut the grass. So I always had this mentality and we'll see my parents struggle and how much they would work, I would barely see them. So, you know, growing up as a kid, I started, um, we started, my dad got me onto basketball cards. So I would collect things, but I would keep them so, I guess in pristine mint conditions because in the back of my head, I knew that I would sell them one day. So to this day, I still have a binder full of OG Michael Jordans, like old basketball cards that I haven't got priced out. Maybe they're worth something, maybe they're not, but I did that. Okay. I had that in mind, and I knew I was, one day I would sell them, even though I, I never sold them Dude, to this day. Last maybe three, six, three to four months ago, I went and dug out my Michael Jordan. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I had a whole bag, like box yeah. of them. 
So then I was like, because you see all these cards coming yeah. back up, and I'm like, dude, there's got to be one in there that's worth yeah. something, you know? Because I mean? you yeah. see these fifty thousand dollar cards, you're like, I guarantee you, I have something. I go price them out, and it's like my best card was like twelve bucks. And oh, I was like, man. I was like so yeah. I don't know what to me. So it was the most like biggest letdown. Yeah, the same, mentality, yeah, right? the same yeah. mentality. That's so. And funny. then Pokemon cards, yeah. and then I got into sneakers, and I was a little older, like my twelve. And I started flipping sneakers. Then I would wait in line and get two sneakers and flip those. Wow. So I was finding different ways to make money. Then my uncle started groceries. When I was born in California, moved to Georgia. Um, he opened a grocery store. So I was working in his grocery stores underage in his family business, learning the business, warehousing work, all this stuff. So, you know, I always was like, man, I'm going to do better than this. But, you know, to my knowledge, I didn't think that his, working in his warehouse would mean that one day I would work in my own warehouse. You know, yeah. like I told you, I graduated college and um, no one thinks that they're going to be riding a forklift, the, um, unloading shingles in my hand with a college degree, you know, while your friends are making fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 a year, you're paying yourself $400 a week or sometimes skipping paychecks because, you know, you're starting your own business with your wife and your father-in-law. But um, at the end of the day, you know, persistence, my wife's been a great uh, team player with me and we've made it happen, thank God, and now we're, we're going and growing and... Um, Know, maybe one day superior beacon they'll reach out to us and they're like, hey buy a sale who knows what can happen you know but the, the idea is to keep going and we're not going to bank on getting bought out or being beat out by a competitor we're just going to keep giving our best and keep moving forward love that so let me ask you this what are some of the big roadblocks or maybe unexpected problems you've had to face in the nine years of business that you know you could share that maybe kind of hit you in the nuts well, in the beginning, none of us knew about roofing, so we started off with a small warehouse that was 5,000 square feet, I told you. Uh, we outgrew that in a year. We didn't, you know, we didn't know shingles came in truckloads, and the truckloads would take out, you know, one truckload would take out half the warehouse. So we had to move within a year, and to move all that without having a box, you know, a truck takes forever. So we moved that, you know, we didn't know how much warehouse space we needed. We didn't know people wanted deliveries, because at first clients were picking up, but then they're like, hey, we need a delivery, we can't take this in our trucks. So then we had to get a truck, so we used a box truck. We did hand deliveries. Eventually we got a truck with a machine. My wife would deliver. Um, you know, she was on the forklift. I was doing the inside sales. Just, we really never had mentors either. You know, we're the first to have a business, the first to create, you know, creating generational wealth. First to a lot of things, you know, and we've been hit with roadblocks and we just keep overcoming them. You know, every day um, we've just been, um, flipping pages and learning new things. So it's just a new challenge every day, honestly. Yeah. And now I'm meeting people like Sam, Andy Elliott, you know, and these guys have done great things and have mentors and hopefully I can text Sam one day and ask him a question and he help me out. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the goal with all this. I think people often underestimate the speed in which you're flipping the pages all alone, which mm -hmm. you're gonna do regardless of mentors or not. You still have the experiences. Yeah. It's like until you've lived through certain things in entrepreneurship or certain things in sales or certain things in whatever, you don't have the you can't pack a big enough punch. Like it's like mm -hmm. a, conceptually in a textbook, I heard once you go through shit, like yeah. you're like, okay, yeah. I, I am saying it from me, private, yeah. losing the million dollars here, messing up a client here, burning a bridge here, and you're like, don't do that, because yeah. I've been down that path. Mm -hmm. And it's through life experiences and, and just taking the action and doing it. You know, the first thing it's like to say, hey, honey, we're going to be figuring this out yep. and like not taking the conventional get a normal job mm -hmm. is, is, is part of the keys of success in yeah. the first place. And another thing is... Um 
a lot of people, you know, contractors per se, they come to me, oh, I didn't get paid on two jobs. But they don't see our side where we give them in-house credit. We lose 30000 from a contractor because he has a $30,000 account and he disappears, you know. But what I, what I tell her, we're not going to sit here and cry. We just got to keep going and make it back up. You know, we're going to put a lien on this guy's house, get a lawsuit going. We get the money back, we get it. If not, we're not going to shut down business. We got to keep the ball rolling. So at the end of the day, adversity, you know, helps you handle bigger problems, find better solutions. And at the end of the day, once you hit rock bottom, the only way is to the top. You know, if we, if we sat there and cried about our $30,000 that we lost, our, one of our good clients that we had for years, he messed us up and just disappeared and screwed us over $30,000 balance. He never paid us. His son died. All these family problems. What about our family problems, you know? Yeah. But we kept going, you know? In our second year of business, um, when we had the box truck, um, I mentioned this to Sam earlier, our drivers flipped the box truck with the materials in it on my wife's birthday. But we didn't cry. We didn't shut down business. You know, we handled the situation and we kept it moving, you know? But a lot of people would have quit there. Yeah. You're gonna hit all the, we would have never got to where we are now if we would have quit. Like Sam said earlier, it's gonna be a lot of ups and downs, but the goal is to not quit because you don't know what's on the other side. And we're still going. We, st I still feel like we haven't hit the top, you know. Yeah. And we're still acting like it's day one. Love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, act like it's day one. I think too many people get complacent because they're just like, oh, I made my million bucks or I made my X amount of year, mm -hmm. and and then they're just like ride on this like momentum. But it's like one of the biggest, two biggest things that I k think kill businesses, kill success kill people is complacency and ego mm -hmm. and it's like when you just get complacent and you've got this ego what you don't see is a hundred other roofing contractors supply houses or whatever yeah. competitors that are just chomping at the bit for you to just slow up a little yeah. bit and they're just like all right i'm gonna take that big client from you and then slowly it might be death by one or two clients yeah. per time mm -hmm. but sometimes a big client sometimes it's just like and eh, let's try something different and you're like wait 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 and it's like you were just fat and happy with me but yep. you can never take Certain clients, certain businesses, mm -hmm. certain momentums, just because you're first, for granted. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people get in this mindset of like, yeah, I, I'm good. I'm good. Um, okay, so let's shift gears a little bit. You work with your wife. Mm -hmm. And I told myself, like, you know, I'm luckily <laughs> not in that spot right now. But nine years in business with a spouse, I know there's a lot of people listen to this that they either sell with them or they're business partners with mm -hmm. them. Like, what are the pros and cons, and maybe what are some advice, some advice that you would give to navigating business and family relationship there as working together? Mm -hmm. I think one of the pros in, uh, I guess, being successful, if you're going to reach your ultimate, I guess, potential, is everyone in your family has to be all in, you know? Mm. You can't be Sam, the, the man, and uh, traveling everywhere, and your wife says, yo, Sam, I need you home, but you're like, why? My wife, I need you, I need to have X amount of goals to reach, and it requires me to travel. So it means your wife has to be on the same page as you, correct? Yeah. So me and my wife have been blessed, and we've been together for 12 years now, married too. So we were business partners first. We did everything backwards, you know, but in a way it was a blessing. And um, luckily for me, I guess, and uh, if I would want to go left, she would want to go left. If I want to go right, she would want to go right. So we've always been hand in hand. Yes, we have our problems every day, and yes, we would get annoyed, but eventually we find out, all right, look, she knows what to do. I know what to do. She handles she handles the finances. I do the operations. And uh, we stick to our roles and we try not to munch it. Hey, why don't you do this? Why is this not done? You know, we try to speak to each other, even though 
there's more um, confidence and I would sometimes snap at her back in the day. Now I know, you know, what, what tone to use, how to speak to her. And the only problem I, I would say that, that when you work together is that you're always talking about work. So we would get home, we talk about work. You go on a date, you talk about work. So it's very important to find that on and off button because, you know, since work, work is overwhelming, especially if your partner's in there, that's, that's going to be the main thing you talk about. So it's a very important to have an on and off button. So what we do is we, we go on dates all the time. We do, we do dinner dates. Um, if you follow us on Instagram, we travel a lot. So, you know, we do things to spice it up, keep our relationship healthy. And then, but the majority of the time is work you know, related. Why? Because we're on the same mission and we're on the same page. Love so that. it's really important for both of you to be in a line with the mission. If you want to be the best dad in the world, then maybe you can't be the best entrepreneur in the world, you know? Yeah. No, and I, I noticed that, like, obviously I went through divorce. And mm -hmm. She's a great person. Problem is, is she never signed up for my mission. Mm -hmm. So it was like my mission was my mistress. Mm -hmm. And when you say that, it's like, I want to go right. And she's like, I want to go left. It's like, yeah. I'd be happy living in a trailer. And I was like, I wouldn't be happy living in a trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know That's what I mean? She's like, if I just, if you didn't travel and we could live in a trailer, I, I'm cool with you making no money. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, I'm not. Like, yeah. I didn't sign up for that. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm destined to go help a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to help you and not just you. And I think that was a conflict. And it was just, it ate at me because I felt mm -hmm. like I was always getting pulled this way. And it wasn't, like, it's just, we never talked, like, I shifted my mission. It's like, we never talked about, like, that was the lifestyle. I mean, when I was selling, I traveled a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, we'd move every summer. I'd go on blitz trips. So there was stress there. But, like, I just felt like it was never, like, I love what you do and mm -hmm. I love what you're about and I love what you're going for. And it just, that really created that conflict. So when you say that, it, like, how cool is it that you get to be a team? Yeah. Being like, let's go. And it doesn't mean there isn't conflict. It just means, hey, but we're both trying to make this thing awesome. Yeah. And having a role in the company, like, I look for that in the future partner. It's mm -hmm. like, it'll be exciting to watch, like, that come to and, fruition. And then when you have your problems, you can't go vet to your best friend because your best friend's husband is probably not on the same level that you're on. Yeah. He's, they're not moving on the same frequencies as us. So we, it's, it's hard to talk to your problems to the next person to your left because they're not on the same level per se in life. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they can't really compare. So that's another issue where she's talking to her friend and her friend's telling her this, my husband does this. Well, your husband's not there. You know, exactly. there's a lot of dissimilarities where yeah, your wife has to know, especially now in your second stage, your second marriage, she's going to understand where you're coming in. You know what you want. So yeah. I feel like your next wife will be the last one. <laughs> <laughs> right. If you decide to get married. <laughs> I love that. Um, okay. So best advice. So you see a lot of contractors mm -hmm. and you know, some come and go, some are new. Like even just training these guys today, you know, I'm like, Hey, how long you been in business? Some of them under a year. Mm -hmm. Some have been in it for a long time. Like what are the common best advice or best practices you from an outside perspective as a supplier would give that contractor to make sure they're successful? Um, I guess a lot of the new contractors, for example, open up uh, credit accounts with suppliers and they'll owe us money and they'll owe the laborer money. And let's say they get five, 10 roofs on contract and they want to do those 10 roofs in two weeks. So then they get themselves in an avalanche of debt. And then let's say something happens in the family or someone doesn't pay them, then everything starts to crumble. So I would say is, you know, take your time, divide those 10 up into weekly, you know, you're just getting started. Once you get the momentum going, once you have money in your bank account, 
then move fast, you know what I mean? But when you're starting off, some guys just want to fight or $100,000 in debt and all this stuff and something's going to go wrong, you know what I mean? It's not going to work out the way you think. Someone's going to screw you, Domino's going to fall and just, then you're going to owe everybody and then you're done. So this is my advice and I would second that 1,000%. As I say, if you're starting a business, you sell your first five jobs, get $30,000 in your bank account and then go start really investing into this like scaling. So mm -hmm. just basically be a sales rep mm -hmm. that has an entrepreneur hat on and fund it yourself, like mm -hmm. you know, manage it yourself. Like go get thirty thousand bucks in your bank account and then kind of add and you are the ultimate sales rep at that point. Mm -hmm. Don't take sales rep hat off. And I call it death by business cards. It's like every entrepreneur starts out and they're thinking, I'm gonna set up my website, my yeah. business cards, and my shirts, and they spend six weeks building a logo. And, and it's a nice like, office. And yeah, a nice office. Nice I office. can't start a company unless I have a legit office. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm like, be in your basement. Like, my office was my basement for like the first two years of my business. Two years, guys. And then it was like, we moved into a lease. Now I finally just bought a building. It's year five. Like, you know what I mean? And it's, it's like being okay with not looking like the business that maybe you compare yourself to mm -hmm. that's been in business for 10 years. Yep. So I love that. Love so, that. Like I have competitors now that uh, have the beautiful warehouses, like something I wish I had, you know, but efficiency wise, do I need that beautiful warehouse? I just need a big warehouse to start my material, you know, to get the job done. So at the end of the day, looks matter, yes, but if you're getting the job done, that's even more important. 100%. You know, no one's really going to come to, especially for contracts, no one's, not that many people are going to come to your office besides your team, you know? So, so, you, mm. so Sorry, uh, last last question, and we'll kind of wrap up. So, you obviously invest a lot into personal development. You know, you're building your own brand. So, guys, go follow him, Life of Pablo. The life of uh, the life of uh, Don Pablo. The life of Don Pablo. And preferred roofing supplies, the business page. So, guys, go follow him. Awesome dude to follow. Um, and you know, you're investing. You're going to these seminars. You're going and getting us to come out and train. Like, what 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 books, mentors, events things are you doing or working on now or have that you would recommend to the to people listening um so right now i've been working um i don't know if you guys know andy elliott he's a very awesome guy car salesman now he's transitioning to everything so i've been listening a lot to his stuff been a couple of his seminars coming to closer school live he's me brad uh, and andy are all putting on a sales event together so yes. if you um haven't yet go get a ticket to that uh, another guy I've been listening to is Ed Milet. I just bought his book. Um, I think it's called One More. But it talks about one more. You know, if you if you're working out, you're doing ten reps, do one more. If you're knocking on ten doors, do one more. You know, it's always that one more mentality. Ed Milet's the goat, in my opinion, is one of my favorites out there. And of course, Brad Lee. You know, Brad Lee's put me on to a lot of people. He's put me on it. Uh, Andy Elliott, a lot of uh, great se uh, seminars, a lot of good events, and uh, I've been at 10x as well. So all these new things, and this is the year where I decided to invest in my growth because, you know, I've been running in the business, but I haven't been investing in myself per se. So investing in yourself, if you can do it earlier than me, you know, I'm 31, and this was the year where I'm investing in myself, but if you can do it, I got friends doing it at 22. Whenever you can, if you have the time and money, go for it. It's the best investment. Love that. I couldn't agree more. Um, well, dude, thanks for having me out, Juan. It was fun Thank to see you, you guys in your domain, mm -hmm. in your backyard. Uh, we're going to go on a sweet hike, which I'm excited about. And uh, I'm excited to see the feedback that we get from all these contractors. Yes. You can see their eyes light up. Yeah, and they love I, it. I, I, my favorite thing when I gave a speech is just watching like light bulb, light bulb, light bulb, yeah. light bulb. And I'm just like, 
Now at the end, I'm like, don't be motivated yeah. idiots. Listen to this podcast, listen to the speech and just go out there and be the same you. Like let's mm-hmm. 2.0 version of you. Like let's see the change and then hit me up and let me know how it goes. And that yes, like, sir. we'll see a week, two weeks, three weeks from now, you're going to start to see is there a result or is there no result? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay. Sam. Thanks man. Thank hey you. guys, if you got some value out of this, we love reviews. We love the shares. Go tag the life of Don Pablo. Um, and, uh, Hit us up. So, love you guys. Take care, guys.